You're listening to Touch the Line Podcast. My name is Evan Silver, and here we focus on leadership, culture, and building a team. This podcast was created to serve you so you can serve others. Today on the podcast, we got Miss Kim Russell. And you know what? We've never met in person, but I've seen, I've been watching her on social media and following her. And she put up a story one time about her, her life, her journey. And so I, I reached out to you and I was like, Hey, can you come on the podcast? Cause you, well, first off we met, I was like, I just want to hour your time to get to know you. And so we had that the other week and just hearing your story. I mean, I think we got goosebumps like two or three times, both of us. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you've got to come on the podcast and tell your story. I would love to, for you just to, to tell your story and tell people like who you are. Uh, you've been in the salon industry for quite a few years. So uh, welcome to Touch the Line podcast, Kim. Thank you. And thank you for having me, Evan. I'm so excited. And I really appreciate you allowing me the time to share my story with your listeners. Um, I have been in the salon industry for almost 40 years as a hairdresser, and I've been a salon owner for almost 30. I just made the decision to close my salon as of the end of December to pursue you know, other passions and uh, help out the beauty industry a little bit with my story, hopefully. Yes. And you're going to make a huge impact. So take us, I mean, with your story, we got to go all the way back to mm-hmm. the beginning. Most people, when they <laughs> tell their story, they start at like high school or their twenties. We got to go all the way back to when you were born. Tell everyone um, about your story. Okay. I'm going to condense 53 years in a couple minutes. How's that sound? That sounds great. We can, we can go. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, So when I was just shy of a year old, I was 11 months old. I was abandoned by my biological mother in the backseat of a car. And I was adopted. Finally, I was in foster care for four years with my adopted parents. And at five, the adoption finally went through. And, you know, the struggles that I had along the way with my abandonment and the trauma, I really didn't didn't understand it completely. And I struggled with drugs and alcohol and abusive relationships. They were abusive emotionally, physically, and sexually. And finally at 29, I started therapy. I did some really interesting therapy. I did conventional therapy and I did dream therapy both for about 12 years, which was really, really interesting getting into the subconscious and all of that. I opened my salon when I was 25, very young. I was a baby. I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, realizing as I got older that as I was healing and I kept healing that my trauma, I just dragged it right into my leadership skills, which (laughs) did not turn out so well. And I feel like part of me is here to um, defend and have um, kind of some understanding of how owners can be a little toxic sometimes. And I think when you bring your trauma in, it tends to happen. It's in a nutshell right there. <laughs> yeah. So 25 years old, God, I think back like when I was 25 and if I was like starting a company and leading people, I would be oh, like, no. oh, what was Evan like? So what was your leadership like at that time? And how much did the, did the, the trauma, like your, the things that happened in the past 
affect your leadership? It affected it a hundred percent and it affected it in some really good ways and it affected it in some not so good ways. As one of the things that I had developed was I was a, a crazy people pleaser. So I gave way too much away. And every time somebody left or if I had to fire somebody, I felt abandoned. So I really wouldn't fire people. They stayed way longer than they should have. And it just, the whole relationship was dysfunctional and toxic. And I just kept going along with it. But at the same time, I truly believe that everybody needs a second chance, sometimes a third chance. So I had a lot of patience with people who had trauma and understanding of what they were going through. I guess the positive side is you gave people multiple chances and, you know, hearing your story, like you were in foster care and then you were adopted. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's what just drew me in because we both foster and adopted. And this is the second, uh, this is the second podcast that I've actually interviewed and foster cares, um, been in the conversation and it's just near and dear to our heart. How did you overcome trauma? Like you, you went, was it just therapy? Now I know therapy is just not a session where you just go and sit and listen and you walk out and you're like, ta-da. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Can you give us a little bit of insight on that? You know, I think it's continuous hard work. I don't think you ever heal trauma. You learn how to recognize it when it's happening and you learn how to manage it. So you don't react the same. You just become so much more aware of what your body's doing, what your mind's doing, and you just you you take a step back so that your reaction's different. My re- I had no control over my reactions when I was younger in my early leadership days. What age were you when you 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 started to to come out of that and start to um, make progress and become? I, I I know it affected your leadership. I can only imagine how much that helped your leadership. And you know, I just put a post up today about turning on the light, you know, like uh, quit cursing the darkness and turn on the light. You know, there had to be that moment in your life where you just turned on the light. What, what was life like during that time? As far as the light going on, I would say there was multiple times in my life where the light switch went on just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more until it became a really a bright light, you know, and that, that started happening. I would say when I was 18, when I made the choice to stop doing drugs, um, when I was 29 and I made the choice to go to therapy, uh, when I was 32 and I, I had done a lot of self-development and I could get myself to a place where I could actually get married because that was not something I could do and, you know, love somebody and love myself. And then, you know, it's just been ongoing since then. Like I, I love knowledge. I love to grow. I love to like pick myself apart and see what I'm doing. (laughs) Did you, that's great. Did you see people differently? Once you started healing from this, did you look at people through it like a different lens? Absolutely. I mean, I realized the whole world isn't out to abandon me. (laughs) You know, that was key. I I mean, that was just a, you know, my main issue that I struggled with so much that I just felt unworthy and unlovable and damaged. And, you know, I didn't feel that anybody could possibly ever love me for me. I always had to be somebody else or whatever they wanted and please them and give them whatever they wanted. That was the only way I was going to be loved in my eyes. Yeah. And we hit on this a little bit before when people left, that just destroyed you, right? Destroyed me. Destroyed me. And still, you know, 
and if this is off subject a little bit, but even, you know, my boyfriend now, I'm like, I don't care if we're fighting. The one thing you can't do is leave. Just don't leave. We can fight it out for hours and days. I don't care, but <laughs> just don't leave. Yeah. That's so good. Like once you get to know someone and get to know the things in their life, you know, that's really good for him to know because, you know, when people argue and they get into a discussion, sometimes, you know, one person might be like, this is really, I just need to take a breather. I just need mm-hmm. to drive around and that's good for them. Right. But if they know that, Hey, just, just don't leave. Then man, what a, what a, what a healthy relationship knowing just that little tidbit, my wife and I, it's the same thing. There, there's things that we've known over the years of marriage that things that I'm not saying I don't do, but there's things that I'm like, okay, I can't do this. <laughs> and then I get there and then I know I've, I've, I've crossed the line. I'm like, Hey, I apologize. I'm so sorry. I know that frustrates you. I know that makes you feel, you know, belittled or anything. And that was not my intentions. It's usually out of my own selfish <clears throat> selfishness of, you know, this is, I acted out this way. So that's really great, man. What if we, what if we could do that for our, our companies where we knew like that much of them, we're doing the Enneagram uh, test for our staff in April of next year. And there's going to be so much we're going to learn where mm-hmm. we're going to be like, okay, you're a num this number on the Enneagram. I know that you deal with conflict this way. I know this is what uh, builds you up. Is that things that you did in your salon company as well? like get to know your staff and what makes them thrive and what crushes them? Yeah, I think, you know, pretty much most of the people that came to work for me had a story, like most of us in the beauty industry. And I think I really tried to get to know that story, you know, and as far as healing goes, I always say awareness is like 90% of the solution. You know, then you have to, that 10% that you really have to work at. But once you're aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it and we tried to, I tried to really touch on that a lot with, with my staff and probably again, crossing some lines in personal, you know, life or whatever. But I mean, I, you know, sat with teenagers and, um, that worked for me with, um, who had parents that were drug addicts and I brought them to a teen meeting, you know, and so to help, I, you know, that's just stuff that I did. I just feel like that's important stuff more so than the numbers and the goals. Yes. What's our end goal? Like I was thinking about this morning, like for a blog or social media, I'm like, why do we do what we do? And if you say money, you're wrong. Like (laughs) I say that all the time. (laughs) The money is the result of why we do what we do. And I think your passion is a lot like mine. It's to grow people. It's for them to grow up and find a spouse and have uh, thriving marriages and a place that they can come. And it's positive. I just taught a class at a local cosmetology school, and I was talking about how we value our staff over our our guests. People were blown away, Kim. I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, and people would stop and be like, hey, what are some ways you do that? I've never heard that concept before. And I'm like, this is so sad so sad mm-hmm. and i know your leadership like you you led that way uh, what are some ways that you um that you led your team differently like to to value them over anything else like if salon owners are listening or owners like what are some things you did that i'm interested as well to be like what did you do 
And how can I implement that into our company? I think one of the things was back them up. You know, that was really that knowing that no matter what happened, I had their back. And I mean, I spent, you know, a couple of times I would puff up and, you know, call a, a guest and, you know, tell them you cannot treat my staff like that. And you're not, unfortunately, you're not welcome here anymore. I'm sorry. So they, they appreciated that um, I would listen to them when there was a, some kind of conflict. I would hear their side of the story. I wasn't the one that said, well, the, the customer's always right. So, you know, I would, I would fight for them, basically. Our staff need to know that I am for them. Like, I am for them. Like, whatever that is in life. If, if, if you're wanting to work, you know, the hot topic right now is commission salons and how much time should they, should they work? I'm like, look, if six hours a week benefits you and you can win at home doing that, I'm for that. I'm for it. There's a couple things we hold close handed. That's just part of our company for the most part. I want you to know that we're for you. So that's uh that's really great, Kim. I love that. Yeah, the, the, that, you know, a lot of people forget that they forget that one-on-ones are a vital part of the company, just sitting down and asking them, what can I do for you? <laughs> and going out to lunch. How are you doing? Yes. Just, how are you doing? It, no numbers, no goals, nothing. Yeah. Just, it's such a simple you? concept, but we get uh, quote unquote busy with yeah. all the stuff that it matters, but you're not going to get that stuff, those numbers, unless you care for the people. Right. And actually that's how I've trained my staff too. I train them to not think of money first. If you see somebody sitting in your chair and all you see is dollar signs, you're probably going to see that person once, maybe twice. But once you build a relationship and trust, then the money will follow. Yeah. Yep. With your story, you know, I think majority of people have had trauma in their life, like an event in their life um, that maybe it's something that they've worked through on their own. Sometimes they need professional help. What do you see when people don't seek help from trauma? Like, what do you see in that person? Are they, do you see negativity? Do you see blaming? I'm going to open it up. Um, there's a lot of that. I think what I see more than anything is like shame. Some people feel so much shame about around their trauma that it's, you know, it's their fault. And then they just kind of set themselves up in life that, you know, they're not worthy of anything. Nothing good is going to happen to them. They surround themselves with people who are negative, abusive, and they just, it's worthiness. I feel like most of it boils down to worthiness and that plays into every area of their life. Mm. Mm. That's, that's, that's hard to hear really. Uh, breaks yeah. my heart. What? What? So, if you're, if you have that uh, person in your company, what do you? How would you mentor them? I almost say coach. You don't want to coach through that. You want to mentor through that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some steps? And I know we're kind of going off course here because we didn't talk about this beforehand. So, uh, what are some things you would do um, to serve them and mentor them during that time? I think one of the most important things was sharing my own story with them you know, them knowing that I was in a place where they are in, that they can actually get out of that place, but understanding and, and being with them where they are, not where I am, where they are, and just slowly getting them to build trust in me. 
That's really great. Meet them where they are. Yeah. I've heard the quote, meet people where they are instead of where you want them to be. And mm-hmm. every time we go into a one-on-one, I, I have to remind myself of that. Uh, that's really great. And and then for uh, advice for people that are listening to this right now, like, oh my gosh, I've got trauma in my life that I need to deal with. Um, what What are some next steps? I mean, what was, you know, you went to counseling. What What was it that you were like, this is my next step? Well, that's an interesting story about how I went to counseling. I had somebody come into my life that worked for me and told me that I had abandonment issues. And I never heard the word. I didn't know anything about it. And I told her she was crazy. She didn't know what she was talking about. But I was in these crazy abusive relationships that kept getting worse and worse. So I made the decision to go to counseling so that I could become a better girlfriend to my abusive boyfriend. Mm. <laughs> so my my um, why I went wasn't exactly the right reasons, but you know how I got there was great. And I think uh, when you're first starting, it just feels so overwhelming and it's so scary. And sometimes you're having emotions that you've never had in your whole entire life, and they can feel like they consume you. So it's having supportive people around you having people understand a group therapy is really great. I, I love a group therapy along with individual therapy and individual therapy. You can kind of, if you want to, you can get away with whatever you want. You tell them what you want. So you can kind of lie a little bit, which I did in the beginning, you know, and especially as leaders, as leaders, you're looked at as you, you know, you have all the answers, you know what you're doing. You're strong. You know, there's, you don't have any weakness, you, you know, all of this. So when you, talk, you, you know, it's hard for you to actually admit your faults and where you're falling short and what you need help on as leaders. Huh? I've, yeah. I've never really thought about that, but you're kind of, you're kind of in control of how far, how deep you want to go. Right. Right. And it's a process. You don't want to walk in and tear yourself open. You just can't, but it's a, it's a process. It takes a, you know, I would say it, it really like 32 was a really turning point for me. And you know, it took me 32 years to get to where I was. So you don't go to therapy and in six months, you're, you feel better. It's going to take you a long time to undo everything that's been done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, you didn't get in it overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. It's uh, uh, I have a buddy of mine who um, he's an alcoholic and he goes to AA meetings and he just, and I was like, dude, like he hadn't drank in like, I think it was like, 10 years or something. And I'm like, dude, why are you still going to these? He's like, I'm always going to be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just chose not, you know, it was that thing that this is, this is who I am. So I want to maintain it and keep that accountability. And that was kind of very eye opening for me during that time. It's kind of the same. You're always going to be traumatized mm. or you're always going to have trauma. Yeah that lives in your body, you know? Yeah, man, this is good conversation. I could talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what have you learned about leadership, uh, recently? Ooh, what have I learned about re- leadership recently? Other than the way we do leadership is changing. Um, there's more like leadership is more than it's more about, you know, Oh, that's a tricky one. 
there's more a lot more mental health involved in leadership now than there was before. There's a lot more um, self-development, which I love. You know, when I started, there was nothing of the sort. You were figuring it out on your own. And there's so much more education. Um, but the, you know, the self-development piece of it, I love because if we aren't better, we can't help or lead our team. So the vision boards, the books, the podcasts, so like anything that you can fill your head that's positive, I think is just, it's great leadership qualities to have. Yeah. And we got to, like you said, we got to go first. Yeah. You know, I tell, I tell um, salon owners all the time, like, Hey, the things that you don't like about your company is your fault. Like you've either allowed it or, you know, you're not growing and developing yourself. So I can't ask for anyone in our company or people that I coach and mentor to do like read these books and do this. If I'm not doing that myself, absolutely. I mean, you can be exposed quickly with social media and everything else. Like before you could, you would go home, but now it's like the employees, they see your life, they see your family, they see how, and word of mouth spreads, you know, if you get a toxic leadership and culture uh, workplace, people, they'll quickly be like, don't go there. Don't go uh -huh. there. And, and I have said that in all of the 30 years that I've been in business, even as unhealthy as I was with my trauma, I always recognized that whatever was going on started from the top. So it was always something that it either I needed to address. I wasn't communicating. Uh, you know, I didn't, wasn't paying attention to, it didn't mean that because when I was in my toxic place, it didn't mean that I was going to change those things because I wasn't ready. But, um, it always, I always put it on me first before anybody else. Cause yeah. ultimately it is, yep. it's us. Yep. Starts with us. Yeah. You know, I grew up thinking leadership was telling people what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How wrong was I? <laughs> I mean, I started like that. <laughs> Joe, I have a funny story for you that my complete control over my environment is when I first opened my salon, I would not let anybody dust the shelves because nobody would put the products back where I liked them or how I liked them. So I dusted the shelves and then it took me, you know, not too long. I was like, well, why, why do I, why, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. Why, why are you wasting your time dusting shelves? Controlling you know, where the products are put. Let them get yeah. creative. They loved it when I let go and I was like, you guys do whatever you want with it. Put them wherever you want. Get creative. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been times where our team knows this. I'll walk in and they'll change product and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this looks so great. Um, then there's sometimes that I'll come back and I'm like, why did y'all do that? But right. inside I can't, yeah. I can't, well, I can't say who did this. This looks terrible. You know what? It's not, it's, it's not the end of the world, you know? It's not a big um, deal. Yeah. I'm like, you know, this is sitting here instead of here. I might not like it, but for the culture, I'm just going to be, because somebody thought that through and did it. And so I'm like, look, I want people to start thinking for themselves and having ownership in the company that, mm -hmm. you know, I looked at it and I was like, you know what? That's really great that they felt the freedom to do that instead of, don't do that because Evan's not going to like it, you know? And they're proud of it. You know, they're proud of what they did and they want to share it with you and they're nervous to share it with you. You know, yeah. so when they share it, you can't go, well, that, uh, I don't know. That's not so great. Yeah. 
Because then I'm going to create a culture of people not stepping out of their comfort zone and doing things. Yeah, fearful. Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening to this right now, give away stuff and be quiet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> give them the why behind it. There might be a time yeah. where I'm like, hey, I wouldn't have put that there because of why. And I have to give mm-hmm. a why and not other than I just don't like it. You have, you're writing a book right now. I am. Very excited. First off, tell us the title of the book. It is My Vulnerability Hangover. God, and it literally that's is. Such a great, <laughs> that's such a great title. That is awesome. I've now committed to the title now that I've, now that I've put it on here. Was it one of those titles that you, you came up with and you're like, oh, shoot, this is it? Or is it like you had like a million titles? You're like, I just don't know which one. Uh, every Friday, I do a live book reading. with my. I read a little bit of my book. So I have a private group of people that are in that. If you'd like to join, come on over. And it gets pretty deep. It gets kind of heavy. And the first live I did, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I just wrote my vulnerability hangover because I just felt so exposed and just out there. And it was scary. But I think to to help people, you have to be as vulnerable as you possibly can. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a, yeah, that's your title. Like you, you're you stuck with it now. I mean, yeah. you woke up in the middle of the night. We hear this all the time from authors or songwriters or speakers are like, oh, I came up with this in the middle of the night. Yeah. So you, yeah you're stuck with it. I love it though. Okay. I think, I mean, that book title, I'd be like, oh shoot, I got to read this. What, what, so what's the book about? The book is a memoir of my story and how I overcame my story really and the different steps that I took. And it's really, if I, if the book can help one person realize that their past does not predict their future. So many times we think that what happened to us, we have no way out. There's no way of having success. There's no way of pushing through it and that you can, it's just a little harder. So I I just want the book to help. Even like I said, just one person realize that they can have, anything in the world. And that, that is one of my things is I really truly believe in every single person out there. Like everybody can have whatever they want, but it's got to get past some stuff sometimes. And it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your book's going to help many people. Um, when, when, when can we look at a release date for this? I'm hoping the beginning of the year. I mean, if I just need to stop writing, I can't stop writing. I just need to stop at some point so that I can let the book live. <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you, or you're going to have like a, a book. It's like the size of an encyclopedia. It's going to be like Moby Dick or something. Isn't that the <laughs> longest book? <laughs> I need to stop. <laughs> and then if you do an audio book, you're going to be stuck oh. reading this thing for <laughs> forever. Days. <laughs> I know writing a book is a process. Um, I've started um, writing one that, that's the first most people have heard about it. I want to end with the Salon Owners Networking Group. I think this is absolutely brilliant. Tell our listeners a little bit about this group. It's a Facebook group, right? It's a Facebook, a private Facebook group just for salon owners. And I do screen everybody that comes in to really keep a safe space for salon owners. And I just, I love salon owners. I want to be around salon owners. I want to talk. I want to learn from salon owners. I want to grow with salon owners. So I created it. It was amazing. It was a month before the shutdown. And 
you know, I was so grateful to have everybody that was in there. We've grown to almost 500 members and it's just a, it's, it's like Solano and a real talk. You know, I go live every Wednesday at 9am Eastern standard time and it's real talk. I talk what it's like to be a salon owner. I don't talk about it. That was one of the things I struggled with. I felt like there was a lot of salon owners out there that just the numbers were great. Everything was great. Their employees were great. And I'm like, doesn't anybody have any issues? <laughs> because I do. And it's just, it's great. And now that I'm retiring, there's a lot of good stuff to come in the salon owners networking group. And I will share when I can, but there's a lot of good stuff coming. It's not a coincidence you started that page right before the shutdown. Man, what a what a support. Because everybody at that point, even if you're trying to ride solo at that point, you're like, okay, I need people around me. I need to uh, contact people. Well, there goes my drink. Uh, I might just leave that in. Uh, I think you just should. Just my drink off. That makes it real. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> that would have uh, killed the moment. Yeah, it's not a coincidence that you had that right before the shutdown because at that point i mean my wife and i we were reaching out to everybody like hey Mm -hmm. what are you doing you know like what's your thoughts what have you done with the ppp and all that stuff it was just it was a lot so most of my listeners a lot of them are in the salon world and salon owners what would what's some advice you would give them during this time i think you have to be open to doing things different In 30 years, I have probably reinvented my business. I can't even tell you how many times. And that's what you really have to think about now is reinventing your business and and doing things differently and putting yourself out there. There's so many owners that don't want to put themselves out there. One of the things I did during shutdown in my salon is I created Coffee with Kim and I went live once a week just to the salon just to stay connected to my um, guests. And I think that's really important you know, connection. We'll go back to that. That's my number one thing is connection. And so you just have to be open to um, doing things a little different. And when you've been in the salon industry for so long and a salon leader for 20, 25 years, it's hard because we're stuck kind of in our old ways and you have to, you have to reinvent yourself. So be open. I've talked to a lot of salon owners and they talk about like during quarantine, their biggest regret was they did not communicate or they would say their biggest win was they communicated. And I just want to let everybody know, yes, communication during quarantine is great, but communication throughout every day, every week, every month is key and it's vital. Everyone, if you're listening to this, everyone on your team wants you to communicate more. They want Mm -hmm. you to communicate more. Well, I communicate pretty good, Kim. Well, they want you to communicate more. (laughs) That's never enough. And it's the hardest part. It is. It it's the hardest is. piece. It is. Well, Kim, hey, I, we're we're new friends. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait till we get to meet uh, each other in person. Uh, you are a light to this world and this new journey you're going on with your book and your speaking and your story is so powerful. Uh, I personally want to say thank you. Thank you for being open. Thank you for being vulnerable and talking about your story because 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 you're going to help a lot of people in this industry and a lot of people never get there because they don't want to be transparent and vulnerable. So thank you so much. Thank you, Evan. That's really nice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to touch the line podcast. Connect with me on social media and my website by searching evansilver.co. That's evansilver.co. 
If this episode impacted you, please leave a review and share it on all social media. Thanks for tuning in.